Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, March 27th, marks our 119th program. I want to remind all our loyal listeners that Actus Radio is now a full-fledged podcast. If you can't listen live, you can also subscribe to this podcast version via Apple Podcasts and listen on the go. What better thing to do than listen on the go to Actus Radio? So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, How to Round with Providers. I'm joined today by my co-host at left, uh, Laurie Prescott. Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here uh, at Actus in Middleton, Mass. Laurie is the Developer and Lead Instructor for the Actus CDI Bootcamp line and an Actus subject matter expert. Uh, just by way of background, she's a former CDI manager and a nursing manager with experience in med surge, ICU, PACU, and endoscopy. And I'm thrilled to have her back on the show. So uh, welcome, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce our industry guest today. Um, we have with us today Erica Reamer, MD, FACEP, and CCDS. Uh, Erica is the president of Erica Reamer, MD, Inc. in Beachwood, Ohio. She was a practicing emergency physician for 25 years and has extensive coding, CDI, and ICD-10 expertise. Prior to consulting, Erica was a physician advisor at a large multi-hospital system for four years. Um, Erica really gets out on the circuit and she's, you may have seen her from reading, uh, writing numerous articles, uh, serving as the co-host of Talk 10 Tuesdays, a weekly podcast. Uh, she's also a member of our Actus Advisory Board and serves on the American College of Physician Advisors Board of Directors. And I'm very pleased to have her on the show today. So welcome to the program, Erica. Thank you, Brian and Lori. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. As we always do on Actus Radio, we are going to start with a poll related to today's topic. I'm going to go ahead and read that for those that are maybe listening on the podcast and aren't seeing the screen. Um, it reads, how would you describe your organization's policy on rounding with providers? Is it an integral part of your CDI processes? Uh, maybe it's something you do occasionally. We round occasionally with providers. Uh, we don't round, but wish we could. We don't round and don't really see the need for it or not applicable. As I always say, we have listeners that aren't currently in CDI or, in, or maybe not working in a hospital. Again, uh, how would you describe your organization's policy on rounding with providers? Is it integral, part of everything you do every day? Or most days, uh, we, you, something you do occasionally. Maybe you don't do it, but wish you could. Don't round, don't see the need. Or not applicable. Okay, I'm going to let that just hold open one more minute. We do have about 70% of our audience that has voted. So last chance to cast your vote before I go ahead and close this out. We will come back to that, as we always do, in just a few minutes. All right. As I mentioned, our guest today is Dr. Erica Reamer. Erica, welcome to the program. Thanks for being a part of Actus Radio. 
Um, you know, I'll just uh, start by saying for our listeners, this is the second of several upcoming programs previewing sessions at our 12th annual ACTUS conference, which will be held May 20 to 23rd at the Gaylord Palms in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, just outside of Orlando. I hope you are all planning to join us at the conference. And again, we're going to be previewing one of those sessions today. And Erica, uh, at the conference, you're going to be uh, doing a, a full session on how to round with providers. Maybe we could just start, Erica, by, you know, how did you, what what gave you this idea? And, and, and just for the uninitiated or those new to CDI, what is rounding with physicians and what does that typically entail? Well, first, I'd like to wish a happy Health Information Professionals Week to everyone. And okay. I would like to strongly recommend anyone listening to this program that they sh should come visit us in Florida in May. Um, the annual ACTUS conference is super important on keeping you up to date on what's happening in CDI. So what gave me the idea for this talk? I always try to think of a topic which I think makes a difference in your CDI practice. I had been working with a system who had moved entirely remote, and they felt they no longer had the same connection to their providers. I recommended a hybrid situation where they come to the hospital several days a week. My presentation, CDI on the Fly, How to Round with Providers, came directly out of giving guidance to the CDSs at that system. Um, it's about building a relationship with your providers to get the job done efficiently and effectively. For the uninitiated, um, what rounding with physician entails is you, um, you know, go around with the doctor. At this system, we call it elbow rounds, and it means walking the floors with individual providers, and you're trying to get the documentation to accurately represent how sick and complex the patient was. You know, the purpose of documentation is to communicate to other caregivers and to get credit for giving excellent medical care. When I round, um, there's always at least one CDIS with me so she can carry on when I'm not there anymore. If you have a, have a physician advisor, they might introduce and facilitate rounds. And then the CDIS would continue subsequently. So that's pretty much what rounding with physicians um, is all about and what it entails. Gotcha. Thank you. You know, Erica, it's one of my favorite things to do is round with physicians. Um, but, you know, when I talk to people about that, they often um, talk about how rounding, the physicians are scared that rounding is going to disrupt patient care or slow them down in the process. So what would you suggest is an optimal workflow for rounding or do we have to adjust per facility? How, what do you think is the best way to do this? Well, I think that, you know, each institution service line needs to determine what the right, right workflow for them is, where you can fit in. Um, when I was a, a physician advisor, I used to join ICU and transplant care team rounds. And they would tell me that when they were going to be congregating, and I would just show up with my CDIS buddy. Um, and it, it's particularly good when you're working in a place where they have a whole team because you get a lot of bang for your education bucks when you have a scribe and a medical student and three residents and a fellow and a nurse practitioner and an attending. But sometimes, you know, I just shadow a single provider. And what the, the point is you don't want to change their workflow. You want to figure out how to integrate into it. So either the scribe or the provider will open up the electronic medical record in some, you know, one of these computerized on wheels um, you know, Cows. computers and <laughs> right, the cow. Uh, and then, you know, I sit and surf while they go in to see the patient. So I don't usually go into the patient's room. 
but I can, I listen at the door and I'm ready to ask them questions or the CDIS is ready to do a query or we're ready to give education when they come out of the room. And it really should not disrupt the patient care at all. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, I think that it's important to try to work yourself into the flow versus have the flow adjust to you. So thank Agreed. you. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this practice. I, I'm not a CDI specialist, nor do I play one on, on television. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I had the, fortune, the, the good fortune of attending a clinical round at a facility in Boston. I got to go um, into their oncology unit and meet with the, the physician, um, the treating physician, and really, like you mentioned, Erica, the whole team. Uh, there was nurses, there was case managers. To hear those conversations was was amazing, and I really could see the potential for you know having good clinical conversations about patients, disease processes, treatments, and, and the benefits these can have on strengthening documentation in the chart. I'm I'm, I'm always just wondering about you know we we do recommend in the Hemeractus new query practice brief and in prior practice briefs that we you know, effectively and compliantly conduct verbal queries and then memorialize them. Um, any thoughts on, on that process as well as, you know, and I can see people maybe worrying about the impact on chart review productivity because you maybe are, are getting through your quote-unquote queue of, of record reviews while you're rounding. So any, any thoughts on those two concerns? Yes. So, you know, I think that's actually one of the trickiest parts, giving education and feedback without being noncompliant. So, you know, I believe providers want to do the right thing, but they need the proper tools to make good decisions and good diagnoses. And I find that there are ways to lay out the criteria for a condition and then ask them, you know, using your clinical judgment, do you think there's a diagnosis that goes along with these clinical indicators? Or now that you know this information, do you believe this diagnosis is clinically valid or have you really ruled it out? But then the verbal query needs to be documented in the usual system so that your CDIS gets credit for it. And you need to make sure it's phrased in a compliant fashion. Um, I also think that you need to have a way to figure out a mechanism to get credit for education, which really didn't end in a query. So for instance, like if I see a provider do, doing something correctly, especially if I'm in a team situation, I may call it out so the rest of the group can learn from it. And that might prevent a future query. So sometimes your return on investment is hard to quantify mm -hmm. because you've prevented all of these future, future queries. But in terms of productivity, I think of it this way. Imagine spending an hour and a half rounding and getting 10 queries asked, answered, and closed. You don't have to send any follow-up emails or track down the provider down in his office. You educated them or the group, and maybe next time they'll do it right without needing to be queried. You develop a relationship where the provider sees you as a professional and an ally and not a pain in the you-know-what. Your turnaround time for future queries may be positively impacted. I think it seems like a really good investment of your time, don't you? Definitely. I think, um, you know, just the building of the relationships is so important and learning goes both ways. So, you know, I find with those discussions and rounding with physicians, not only do they learn what I have to offer, 
but I also learn their thought process and why they're leaning towards certain diagnoses and, and it gives me more knowledge to apply to the next chart I look at as a CDI. So the learning goes both ways and I think there's, there's value in that as well. So I think I, that's I, a great point, Lori. Great point. Thanks. I, you know, one thing I find, and, and I found it interesting that you said you were working um, with a facility that wasn't rounding and you encouraged it, is often when I talk about physician rounding with people, most um, most of the time I get the response with the electronic health record, it's really difficult, physicians don't want us there, rounding is just not necessary like it was when we were using paper charts. Um, you know, they, they say they're just not wanted. Um, in that process. So how do you deal with that? Well, I have a few answers to that question. The first one is that sometimes what we think we want is not what we really need. Do you have a, <laughs> any of our listeners have kids? Do you ever have to make them do something they don't want to do, but it's in their best interest? So to me, this is the same kind of thing. Um, secondly, I think that EHRs have actually made documenting harder. And it's made what we do even more important because it's really hard sometimes when you're constrained to get the documentation to be really reflecting how sick and complex the patient is. And then I can tell you that in you know some of the facilities where I, I consult, the providers have actually been begging for some personal CDI love. And they do flourish with this attention because they're able to get their questions answered and feedback in real time, not like, you know, three weeks later getting smacked on the nose with a newspaper. So my last answer is it's not really about the physician. Like, really, we should keep in mind that the point of this exercise is we want to give excellent medical care to our patients and have the documentation reflect the quality of care that we've given them. So I recognize that you don't need to be standing at the doorway anymore to be able to access the chart, but I think that it still could really be a valuable tool in your arsenal. Agree. Um, Completely. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Erica, we, we did get a couple questions about uh, from our listeners. Maybe I could work one or two of these in. Um, one person asked, this was uh, Suzanne, asked, um, you mentioned earlier that a CDI goes with you, Dr. Reamer. Um, does this person typically have a laptop uh, to pull up each patient's coding summary or maybe develop an electronic query for the physician to respond to? Um, just curious about how that process works. Actually, that's a, gr that's a great question, and um, I think that it's an, uh, that's an, an excellent way to do it. You know, the reality is you have to try to figure out if you can find one of those little movable tables to set your laptop on. But it, I, I think that, you know, I have done it where they have their own laptop that they're bringing and they're doing exactly what you're saying. I think it's a great practice. Um, some places even will sort of are trying to figure out how to get like some of these really lightweight or even like a tablet kind of a, um, a, a vehicle to be able to do that. Gotcha. And then do you have any uh, rule of thumb or recommendations about um, frequency? You know, that a person asked, Miriam asked, how often should one round daily or once or more per week? Or if you have any thoughts there. I, I think that that 
again, needs to be sort of negotiated with the workflow. Um, and, you know, it depends on how many services you're trying to impact. Uh, I don't think you need to be there every day because I do think that, as Lori, you know, intimated before, there's some, you know, you sort of a trade-off between productivity and um, get, getting your everyday work done and doing this rounding. But I don't, um, I, I think that it has to be individualized. Uh, I would guess, you know, if I were trying to do this, I would strive for, for doing it like once a week with a particular service. And um, I'm not even sure that I would have every CDIS doing it every day with somebody, you know, like I think they, you know, they need to have time to be sitting and doing the work and the follow-up as well. But I do think it needs to be individualized. Lori, do you have any ideas about that? No, I, I, um, I think that if you're there every day, you, in some ways you might become a little invisible to them, but if you um, pepper it and look at the, you know, look at their records and round with them intermittently, it's almost a special thing that you're there and they might actually um, interact with you a little more. You know, I think be close for attention, huh? Right, because you're 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 a commodity. You know, you're not something that's there all the time. Because I think sometimes if we're ever present, um, we maybe are not seen as well as if we pepper it a little. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but it does to me. No, it it does. You you don't want to become just part of the routine and maybe. Mm -hmm. You're not as effective but, as you would be. Well, and the other point is that when they get to know you, if they have a question, they can always reach out to you too. Like it's not like you're when you're not present with them, you don't exist anymore. You have Absolutely. a relationship now, and if they have a question, they can always like pick up a phone and call you. Right. Exactly. And that's when I tell people you've won. When they start to seek you out and start mm -hmm. to hunt you down with the questions, you know that you've um, proven your value to the physician. Yep. Yeah, great point, guys. So just to wrap up this conversation, you know, this, again, is only a portion of the hour-long presentation Eric is going to be delivering at our conference in May on this topic. Uh, Eric is also, you know, for those that haven't taken a thorough look at the agenda, is going to be doing a closing day one sort of abbreviated keynote speech that ties into our charting the course theme and really about the, 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 the true purpose of CDI. So, um I'm thrilled to to have her on the podium to do that. As you know, Erica is a member of our advisory board and and really a champion for the CDI profession. And maybe Erica, you could just close by um, talking a little bit more about what you plan to cover and and why you might encourage folks to attend who are listening today and planning to come to the conference. Well, Brian, I'm hoping to give some actionable tips on how to do CDI on the fly. Um, I know these are buzzwords, but I think I have some ideas on how to get physician engagement, and uh, I think everybody should come to my session because it's going to be educational and fun. Rounding with <laughs> providers may be the piece of puzzle that's missing from your CDI program, and I hope to put it back in there for you. All right. Sounds awesome. Thanks. I will try to drop in as myself for a little bit. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, pull up the audience poll results. Once again, I will just repeat the question first. How would you describe your organization's policy on rounding with providers? So 24% describe it as an integral part of their CDI processes. 25% round occasionally with providers. So it looks like 
about half between those two add, add up that do some rounding. 29% don't but wish they did. 15% don't round and don't really see the need for it. And for 7% of our audience, this question is not applicable. So any, uh, any thoughts here? We will start with you, Erica, on these poll results. Anything surprising or? I thought we were going to start with Lori. Lori, do you want to talk about uh, this? I actually have one more comment to make. You go, you go and then I have a comment to make. She's turfing it. Now I, now I better say the right thing. Um, you know, I actually was a little surprised um, because from what I hear when I'm out teaching, people just don't round like they used to. So I, I am pleasantly surprised that that 24% says it's an integral part of their um, process. And my bet is they likely have a pretty successful program. Um, for the ones that round occasionally, yay team. Um, the ones that wish they could, um, I think maybe take a little advice from what Erica said earlier. And if you have a physician advisor, maybe start the process with your physician advisor um, or find that one physician that is always willing to work with you and sees your value and maybe start with that physician. Um, a lot of times there's a little jealousy if um, providers see someone else getting the attention, they may ask for you to round with them. Um, so you might have to be creative to get your foot in the door. You know, Lori, it's interesting to say that because that's exactly what happened to us when I was a physician advisor. We started working with a couple of different service lines, and all of a sudden, everybody was asking us to do it. Um, this poll, so I, I think it's very interesting that 30% um, don't round but wish they could, and I think that that's, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of telling, um, and it's, I would be interested to know the ones who don't see the need is it really just complacency like we really like being remote and don't feel like coming to hospital or is it we really don't see a need for it um, and it made me think to myself I wonder what it would be like if we actually did a poll with providers um, mm. and, 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 and if we could separate it out between ones who actually participate in these kind of rounds and ones who haven't and see whether they think it's useful and whether they think that they're, it, it's making sense to them. Yeah, that would be interesting. Okay. Well, let's switch over to our uh, In the News segment at this point. Um, again, In the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates uh, relevant to the CDI profession. Um, since I have a physician on, Dr. Reamer, I'm curious to know your thoughts on some new E&M codes and coding guideline changes uh, recently approved by the AMA's CPT editorial panel. So this story is reported on Part B News. You should be seeing this on your screen. And I will, as I always do, provide the link to this article uh, in our show notes on actus.org. But essentially, uh, the AMA CPT editorial panel approved sweeping changes to documentation and code selection guidelines for evaluation and management codes. And if finalized, these changes will shift the way practices select codes for both office and facility visits as soon as January 2021. Um, there is a kind of a lengthy bulleted list of some of these um, approved changes. I won't go through all of them, and I do encourage our listeners to take a look at this article because it is important. But um, some of the highlights I pulled out were they're going to they're proposing uh, there's an approved change to delete level one office new patient E&M code 99201 uh, and the article states that the claims for this code 
uh, represented only 0.15% of all 266 million inpatient E&M claims in 2017 when it had a 37% denial rate. So sort of a problematic code they decided to remove. Um, one of the big changes here is they're removing uh, history and exam as key components for selection of the E&M service level. The practitioner will be required to document that these elements were performed in order to report an office visit code. Um, and practitioners would select their E&M codes based on either the level of medical decision making, MDM, or uh, either or, this, the other part would be the total time spent performing the service on the day of the encounter. There's also a plan to revise the E&M guidelines into three sections, um, which, are low, which are listed here. I won't go into all of those. Um, there's also a major overhaul of the medical decision-making documentation guidelines to emphasize um, complexity of the conditions being addressed in place of the number of diagnoses reported. So I'm hearing CDI <laughs> and the need for CDI when I see something like that. Um, there are many other changes outlined in the article. Uh, I will include a link, as I said, uh, in the show notes to the full story. Um, there is some other interesting um, inclusions. For example, the AMA proposes to add guidelines for reporting time when more than one individual performs distinct parts of an E&M service. So I know E&M isn't necessarily on the forefront of um, all CDI specialists, um, but this is a potentially large, important change with ramifications to the CDI profession. And curious, maybe we can start with you, Erica. Um, do you have any thoughts on the article and the proposed changes? Brian, you know better than to ask me that. I always have thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I teach a two-day course for folks who have gotten in trouble with their medical board. And I always recommend that the medical decision-making be the determining factor for level of service. Because you can document anybody with a complete history and physical and, you know, level five. But the medical necessity of how intense the service should be comes from the condition that's being treated and the complexity of the medical decision-making. So I like the proposed changes in the MDM section titles to emphasize complexity and not just number of diagnoses. Um, personally, I ha and I actually have recommended, um, I've written my comments uh, to them, that uh, I would not eliminate the H&P requisites. I would just mandate that the MDM be part of the, you know, would either be one of the two or the three elements used, depending on whether it's a new or established patient. I also support changing it from total face-to-face -to -face time to total time spent on the day of the encounter. Yes. Because I think you should get credit for taking care of the patient over the course of time. I mm. support eliminating 99201 because I don't think it's ever appropriate for a new patient to be seen at that low level of service. It, you know, basically, I always think of that as 99201 is one where, like, you didn't even really need a doctor to see you. And if you're new to, a, you know, to somebody's practice, you need to see the doctor. Um, the most interesting proposal, actually, is to allow split sharing of time-based billing, which I think is actually not a bad idea either. But we could actually talk the whole Actus Radio about this, but I'll stop here, and yeah. I'll let Lori give you, give, give you her comments. Well, no, I am certainly not an expert in E&M, but I know how confusing it is for physicians. So my hope is that changes will simplify the process, hopefully, for them. Um, 
but I think the system is definitely due for a change. So um, I, I like your comments. I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this so I can understand exactly um, how some of your suggestions apply. But thank you for well, being you know, I, I, before I Before I did CDI, I was, you know, that this is what I did. I did the CPT level of service for, you know, mm -hmm. the emergency department. So, yeah. You're, yeah. You, you know, know how complex it. this is. <laughs> All right. So before we go, I did want to wrap up with our Actus update. Again, Actus update is a regular feature bringing you the latest updates on what's going on inside the, the walls of Actus. Um, today, I'd like to let our listeners know that voting for the Actus Advisory Board is ongoing, but does close end of day tomorrow. And look, this happened to pop up just as I was saying it. So this is, um, um, again, we have an elected advisory board of which Erica happens to be a member of our Actus Advisory Board. These are uh, folks that are serving three-year terms of service. They have to uh, run for the board. We have a nominating committee that reviews those incoming applicants. We then narrow those down to the most qualified, and we allow our members to do the final vote. So this is a, a democratic process, um, and we have eight very uh, qualified candidates on the ballot, and uh, it's open to ACTUS members. So please, please, in the next day and a half here, uh, two days, closes end of day tomorrow, uh, Thursday, March 28th, the vote closes. Uh, the best way to go to, to go about this is just go to actus.org. It's right at the top slider bar, as I showed you. This page describes how to do it, and it has a link to our voting page right here. So you go in and you select your candidates. Um, we have an HIM candidate running for the board. We have uh, six nursing candidates for uh, two contested positions, as well as a uh, physician candidate. So these guys all deserve your your review. I know there's a little bit of, of work to be done to read these, but interesting. They're they're all passionate about the profession. They're all certainly qualified, and uh, they 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 do deserve your review and your vote. So do your civic duty for Actus and uh, vote in the election. And we'll be announcing the the winners very soon. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. We hope to see you back here again in two weeks for our next program, CDI's Role in Population Health. This, again, is the third in a run-up of programs to our 12th annual conference in May, May 20 to 23rd, which I hope to see you. Uh, and these sessions will be featured in full, hour-long, uh, on the podium in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. As always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, topics like rounding or other topics, I'd love to hear from you. This is how I get my show ideas, so send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it, and uh, we'll see you back here in two weeks, and thank you again, Erica. As for our audience, uh, take care, everyone.